2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5-12 through 12. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted, as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, Invicting vengeance, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel, the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because. Our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So we are pushing a little further into Second Thessalonians. This is uh, the remainder of chapter one, and it's um, the remainder of what in the original Greek is one long, beefy sentence um, where, you know, Paul is, is speaking towards the reward of the Thessalonians suffering, which is the glory of God. Um, and, and that he gets glory in his saints. It's, it's a very, uh, powerful passage. It's, you know, a lot of strong imagery, you know, the Lord Jesus, uh, you know, appearing in flaming fire. Um, it's this image of, of grandeur of glory and his descent on his people in favor and, uh, you know, pushing away and, and into destruction those who have you know tormented his people so billy uh what, what are your thoughts on uh you know this passage on christ coming yeah well verse five um this is evidence well what is evidence well if you if we kind of harken back to yesterday's passage the evidence of the righteous judgment of god is this faith love and endurance that god is granting this people and the faith, love, and endurance, this, this supernatural gift of that in the face of persecution, verse five, that is actually the evidence of the righteous judgment of God. And I find that to be just a little bit difficult to wrap my head around. Okay, so you're saying faith, love, and endurance, that's evidence of the righteous judgment of God. Um, and, and then it, the verse goes on to say that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also su uh, suffering. So how is that evidence of the righteous judgment of God? Well, the passage goes on and talks about the, the people that will be judged, the people that will um, suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Well, those people in the face of trial and opposition, people that don't know God, they don't grow in love. They don't obey mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't muster up some kind of radical ability to show love and to, to be steadfast in the face of hardship. They're unable to do that. But the people of God who've, who've been saved by grace through faith, they're able to do that. And that's an evidence. That's, that's an evidence of this radical faith that God's given 
Um, and so therefore, um, this is giving a picture of the righteous judgment of God that, um, that, that he, he gives his people righteousness and what Christ has, has done on the cross. He gives them his righteousness and then gives them the spirit to then supernaturally face hardship and trial and suffering and to do things that are just supernatural. And so, um, I just think it's really interesting that, you know, Paul's saying, Hey, this stuff that I'm boasting about to other churches, um, regarding your faith, like this is evidence of what God is. This is evidence of his righteous judgment in your life. I just think it's incredible. Yeah. Amen. Um, Matthew Henry has this great, um, you know, his his concise commentary on the Bible is one of my favorite go-tos for, um, helping me get a little beneath the, the surface of, uh, of what some of these passages that we read are saying, but I I love, you know, he's talking about verses five through 10 here, but he's kind of pushing into this idea of the role that suffering is playing in preparing us for that day and preparing, uh, specifically these, uh, Thessalonian believers for that day. And uh, I think one of the things that Henry presses into that's really helpful is that it's not suffering that makes you worthy of God's kingdom. It's the blood of Jesus that makes you worthy. Yeah. Yep. Um, but the the role of suffering is, is so powerful because, you know, th- this is a quote from Henry. He says, we cannot by all our sufferings any more than by our services merit heaven. So just as our works don't earn our way into heaven, also our suffering and just like suffering under the banner of Jesus is not what gets us into heaven. But by our patience under suffering, we are prepared for the promised joy. Mm. I think that that is awesome. So good. Like that's just a great way of framing persecution. And, you know, I, I, uh, I love, uh, help the persecuted and do some work with them. And Josh Youssef, the, the work that they do is just absolutely amazing. But one of the things that we talk about a lot is we can kind of put like persecuted Christians on this pedestal that they're, you know, more righteous. They're kind of like this second class right. uh, or, or like first class of, of the church uh, purely because they're suffering. But like where we get misconstrued is, no, we, we are all in the priesthood of believers. We all share in the same inheritance. We're all co-heirs with Christ. But where we should admire and take notes from those who suffer very harshly under the name of Jesus is that they are more prepared for the joy. Mm. And that is like one of the things that I've learned really deeply from interfacing with these people is that, that Jesus really is everything to them because, you know, contextually for them, he kind of has to be. And, and, you know, the ultimate reality of the gospel is that it is all or nothing. But I think um, when we are in a more comfortable context, it can seem like that's not the case. You know, it can seem a little more of a spiritual buffet of like we have, Jesus and spiritual things here. We have work and, you know, secular things here and we can in our minds try to keep them separate. And that's like this delusion that we're buying into, but ultimately, you know, it is this all or nothing thing. But when we go all in and when we, when we face loss and affliction and missed opportunities or whatever for the sake of the gospel, you know, it's not just to like earn a better seat at the table but it's that our joy is actually being deepened. right? And I, I think that that is such a powerful word 
that, uh, you know, especially if we read this, uh, this sort of passage, Paul is writing to persecuted Christians. And so, you know, if we, you know, think about, you know, right now there's this war, um, in Palestine and Israel happening and caught in the crosshairs of that turmoil, um, really in the pinch point is, you know, there are these believers in both of those regions who are the most marginalized in both of those cultures. And so they're, they're right in the pinch point. And, you know, what, what a sweet thing to consider that through, you know, their, their suffering is not in vain, but it's also not like they have to suffer anxiously to like, try to do it right to like earn a seat at the table of the lamb, but that they're being prepared so that when Jesus appears or, or that, you know, if he tarries when they die and they see him face to face, they are so ready for the joy that's going to be just flowing out of their hearts. Right. Um, it's so true when you say that, you know, those of us in Christ across the globe, across the planet, we're in all these different contexts. The church is the church. We're all this regenerate family of God, this priesthood of all believers. And, and those of us here in America, I mean, we're not really facing the type of persecution that we're seeing our brothers and sisters face right now in the Middle East and in China and these places in the world. Um, but we can have hope that because we've been indwelled by the Spirit and we're secure in Christ, that if persecution were to come to us, that type of persecution um, where there's violence and, and the threat of death, we have hope that the Lord would give us the ability to endure mm. and to face um, and to face those those trials. But you, you were mentioning this this pride that can even come about with persecution, where we can kind of have this class system of the Christian life. You know, those who are the highest ranking Christians are those who literally are persecuted for their faith. And a few years ago, um, I, I was at this conference uh, in Southeast Asia, and it was it was a conference that hosted. Um, underground church pastors from from China, mm. um, and and they were they were leaving China to come to this country um, so that they could meet and gather and not be watched and, and spied on by the authorities. And all of these underground pastors who had all heard of each other but had never met mm. were gathered together. And most of these pastors had been in prison for three, four, five, ten years. Mm. Um, I had a buddy there um, who who was saying, "Hey, that's the pastor that." you know, was in prison for 15 years or this pastor, he's so known in China. He's never met that guy. Mm -hmm. And they were all there being encouraged, um, about to face another wave of persecution. And one of the speakers, one of the main kind of conference speakers came up and, and basically, um, and and he was a a Chinese pastor himself, but he basically, um, I wouldn't say rebuke, but exhorted these pastors to not grow in pride about their persecution. Mm. And he said, Simply because, you know, you're persecuted doesn't mean that you've, you've made it. And some of you here might be imposing this, this requirement of prison time, Mm. this requirement of persecution on some of these younger pastors that you're training up. Yeah. And you're saying that they're not ready yet because they haven't been persecuted. And he said, that is pride. The Mm. suffering that you all have faced and, and have endured through is, is, is because of what Christ has done in you. Mm. And it's not because of some kind of, you know, badge of honor that you've gotten. And so I think it's just, it's so true to say that we can, we're just, we're just fallen human beings and we can even distort something like persecution and, mm-hmm. and look at it wrongly. And Paul's, Paul's uh, bucking up against this here. And he's saying the evidence of, he's saying the chief um, sign of your genuine belief is how you're responding by faith in the mm-hmm. face of hardship and persecution. 
Amen. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think too, like that's something that we can really take into uh, the trials that we face that aren't necessarily being where we're being like opposed and persecuted for our faith. But, you know, just the the tears of sorrow and the pain in life. Um, you know, I think of um, one of my best friends, Sam, is a pastor uh, at Christ the Redeemer in Marietta, which is a an awesome, awesome church. And um, this year has been like such a tough year for their church. Like they've had, um, you know, they've had hmm. some untimely, like young, uh, young believers in their church die, like kids and just hard, hard stuff happen. And, you know, it's, it's a church of like, I want to say about three or 400. So it's really felt by all the members. It's been heavy. And, you know, so one of the, the comforts that's here in second Thessalonians is that in those things, especially even God is preparing that church. He's preparing the people there in that body to, to taste the joy of seeing Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that it's a joyous process to go through. And, you know, we're a young church. We, uh, we have a, hopefully Lord willing, a lot of miles ahead of us as a church. And, uh, you know, we have mainly just seen like growth and new buildings and exciting things happen. And it would be foolish for us to expect, as a church that it's always going to be like fine, easy and and smooth sailing, but the joy that we can carry knowing that, you know, that, uh, life is not easy and that, that there's pain along the way is that the, the good things that we face like growth and, and, you know, people coming to know Jesus, like those moments of just outright flourishing, you know, those give us a taste of the kingdom of God. Those give us a taste of God's goodness, but also, the, the hard things that we face, mm-hmm. the loss, the tears, the sorrow. Um, and, and I don't want to make it sound, I, I know in our church we have a lot of pain and a lot of hard things going on, so I don't want to make it sound like that. Um, but like those things in our church now and, and in the future, those are also, you know, they're preparing us to to seek and to enjoy God. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you know, that that bitterness will just be eclipsed by a joy and a hope fulfilled that is so much greater so we have, we have a hope um in all those things it's a good word amen well second thessalonians uh it's it's only going to get better so for the great billy bean this is will carlisle and we'll see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm thanks for listening to our daily rhythm i'm jason dees one of the pastors of Christ covenant and our daily rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our Daily Rhythm.